Hey friends, it is great to be with you today. So glad that you have joined us for online worship. If you're tuning in for the first time, special welcome. My name is Jason Wolliver. I'm the directing pastor here, and it's just great to have you with us today. And so this is week four in our summer message series, Exodus, Living Into God's Freedom. And today we are in Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 through 22. Hear this reading from God's word. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. And the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Come Holy Spirit, fill our hearts with your power and your love. Awaken our minds to who you are and how God wants to lead us as we look at the word today. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength, and our Redeemer. Amen. So I have shared before how I first got started memorizing Scripture. When I was a young person, my church, my home church, attempted a church-wide Bible memory verse program, which so few people participated in that they quietly shut the whole program down within just a couple of weeks. But I'll be eternally grateful for the couple of weeks that they did do the program because I learned two passages of scripture which I have carried with me my entire life. One of them was Philippians 4, 6 and 7, where Paul writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The other passage that I picked up right before they shut that program down was Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. If you just memorize those two verses, you'll get a lot of mileage out of them. So I'm eternally grateful that that program existed for just a couple of weeks. And so Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 has been a go-to passage for Christians for thousands of years. It speaks to almost every season of life we might find ourselves in. If you've been following Christ for some length of time, there may have been seasons where you were leaning into the promises of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I came across the New Living Translation's rendering of it a few years ago, and I really like how it kind of paraphrases it a little bit. It says, 
trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. But here's a question to consider. Suppose a person is trusting in the Lord with all of their heart and is not depending on their own understanding and is seeking God's will in all they do, how will God direct their paths? What kind of directions should a person be looking for as they're waiting for God to show them what to do? Well, the story of Exodus, which we are going through in this series, gives several great examples of how God leads his people. Our passage today speaks directly to this topic. And here we learn three things about God's leadership. First, we learn that God leads his people carefully. It says in verse 17, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the land of the Philistines, although that was near, for God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea, and the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt, equipped for battle. I was really touched by the parental sensitivity that God exercised in this moment. There was a much more direct route to get out of Egypt, to the promised land, but God was afraid that if the Israelites had to face the Philistines in pitch battle in this exhausted state, that it would just be too much for them. That They would freak out in fear and go back to Egypt. Even though it says in verse 18 that they went out of Egypt equipped for battle. They were armed, they were ready, they thought they could defend themselves, but God, in his care, in his supernatural assessment of the situation, knew their capacity, and he gently led them by another way. Now, this is really something to keep in mind about our God. Sometimes it may feel like he's leading us in a very indirect route as we journey through life. It may seem like he doesn't know what he's doing. In truth, he knows exactly what he's doing, and he always has our best interests and his purposes in mind. He knows our strengths and our weaknesses, and he will get us where he wants us to be if we keep seeking his will. And when we finally do get there, we'll see that he was leading us masterfully the whole way through. We also see here, number two, that God leads his people completely. It says in verse 19, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. So back in the book of Genesis, we read about how the Israelite people ended up in Egypt to begin with. God called Abraham, and then late in life, Abraham had a son named Isaac. Isaac had a son named Jacob. God changed Jacob's name to Israel. Israel had 12 sons. One of the younger ones, Joseph, was greatly envied by his older brothers, so they sold Joseph into slavery into Egypt. But then, through God's providence and his hand upon Joseph, everything Joseph did, God made very successful, 
And through God's intervention, Joseph became the second most powerful man in all of Egypt. And then Joseph ended up forgiving his brothers and their families and bringing all of their families to live with him in Egypt so that he could provide for them in a time of international famine. And the book of Genesis ends with the death of Joseph. Before he died at age 110, Joseph told his brothers that God would visit them and deliver them out of Egypt. And he made them swear that when God did that, that they would take his bones out of Egypt with them into the promised land. Now it's roughly 400 years later, and Moses is keeping that promise and carrying Joseph's bones out of Egypt. When God makes a promise, he always follows through down to the very last detail, not just in some broad sweeping way, but with faithfulness in every aspect. God promised to get the Israelites out of Egypt, and he would make sure that even Joseph's bones got out of there. It's important for us to remember that God doesn't just care for us in some general way, but rather he cares for every aspect of our lives. And when he leads us, he doesn't lead us without regard to how it will affect the other aspects of our lives. He knows it all. As David said in Psalm 37, 23, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. We also see that God leads his people clearly. Verse 21 says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, and that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. So this pillar of cloud and this pillar of fire are what we call theophanies. They are times when God makes his invisible presence known in very visible and undeniable ways to human beings. God was present in this way to lead the Israelites all during their time through the wilderness journey. And God also provides clear leadership to his people today. When God says in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, that if we seek his will in all we do, that he will show us with paths to take, path to take, he will do it. But back to our original question. How does God show us? How does he direct our paths? Let me share with you six ways that God clearly, carefully, and with great aspect to detail, respect to detail, leads his people even today. First, God leads his people through special visitations. Now, this is the least common way that God leads his people, but we can't read the Bible and deny that sometimes God does lead his people through these supernatural appearances and visitations. God appeared to Moses in a burning bush. God led the Israelites with a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. God spoke through angels to people. God spoke through dreams and visions. That's all throughout the New Testament as well. Since our desire as 21st century Christians is to go back to the Bible 
and live as biblically as possible, we have to be open to God leading us in these ways now. And these things do happen. The second way that God shows us which path to take is through the Word of God. And this is the primary way that God will lead us every day. Back in Moses' day, God spoke the Word of God directly to Moses, and then Moses conveyed the Word of God directly to other people. He said, thus says the Lord, as he delivered the message to Pharaoh. He said, thus says the Lord, when he spoke to the people of Israel through Moses. God told them what to do and what direction to go through the very clear, direct word of God. We live in an era now where God's word has been passed down to us and faithfully preserved in written form so that we have access day and night to what God wants and which way we should go. Yes, the word of God is our pillar of fire by night and our pillar of cloud by day to guide us. As Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 3, 16, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. The scriptures are like the sidewalls on the McCluggage Bridge that goes across the Illinois River from where we live into Peoria. And I can't imagine driving over that bridge, over the Illinois River, if there weren't sidewalls to ensure that we didn't go over the edge of the bridge and drown in the Illinois River. The scriptures provide us with guardrails. They show us the bounds we need to live within if we want to keep from going off the rails and drowning in the sin and depravity and darkness that inhabits the world around us. In truth, we have a lot of freedom about the decisions that we make as long as we are living in obedience to God's word. God will never lead us to do something contrary to his word, and he will always call us to do what is clearly prescribed in his word, especially the New Testament. Our job is not to explain it away, look for loopholes, or figure out which parts apply to us. It all applies. It's all for us. The scripture is our guardrails. Third, God shows us which path to take through prophetic leaders. In reading the scripture, it is undeniable that God often leads his people through a leader, a human leader that he has spoken to and entrusted a mission to. That's exactly how God led the people of Israel out of Egypt. He called a leader who led the charge and called others to get behind him to accomplish God's will. And we see this leadership factor throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament, and church history. And at some point in our lives, God may call us to get behind a strong leader to do something new for God. At other times, God may call us to be that leader ourselves. Yes, being a Christian means sometimes we are the follower and sometimes we are the leader. But don't count out that God may be calling you to get behind something right now that someone else is leading. Fourth, God shows us which path to take through open doors of opportunity. When God finally got the Israelites out, it was through a very briefly opened door. 
Pharaoh was reeling over the death of his firstborn and he commanded the Israelites to leave. Shortly after that, he changed his mind and went after them. We'll see that next week. But notice that God didn't tell the Israelites to go early. There was an open window that he created and he said, go in haste, go now. And this is a way that God often shows us which path to take. For example, we may be applying for jobs right and left, but nothing is coming of it. Then all of a sudden we get offered a job and we have a decision to make whether to accept it or not. At that point, we've probably been praying for God's help for a long time. And so in many ways, in many cases, when we get an open door, that's God leading us in that direction. I was reflecting this last week on the day back in February of 2015, when my wife Janice and I were driving to Washington Crossroads to meet with the Pastor Parish Relations Team to see if we would be a good fit, if I would be a good fit for the next directing pastor of Crossroads. As we were driving, my friend Shane Bishop called on the phone and he prayed for us as we were driving. And his prayer was, God, I pray that if it's your will that Jason and Janice serve you at Crossroads, that you would open doors that no one can shut. And if it's not your will that they serve you at Crossroads, then please close doors that no one can open. And I've used that prayer when praying for others several times. Colossians 4, chapter 3, we see the Apostle Paul asking the Christians in Colossae to pray for God to open doors for him to effectively share the gospel. When we're seeking God's will, we ought to pray for open doors. When we see one opening, it is likely that God is showing us that that is the path to walk. Fifth, God shows us which path to take through godly people. In chapter 18, after Moses and the Israelites get across the Red Sea, we get this really neat story. Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, comes to visit Moses and the Israelites in the wilderness. And he brings with him Moses' wife, and his two sons who had stayed back in Midian. When he gets there, he notices that Moses is carrying the leadership load entirely by himself. He is the only leader of this million plus group of people. He is the manager. He is the administrator. He's the judge that decides all the disputes among the people. He's the, the one that tells them what God's calling them to do. And Moses uh, Jethro said to Moses, Moses, this is not good. You're going to wear both yourself and the people out if you keep trying to do this on your own. He said, here's what you need to do. You need to find some men who are God-fearing, who are trustworthy, and who hate bribes. And then you need to break the people up into groups of thousands and set men over the thousands and break those groups into groups of hundreds, set more men over the hundreds, and then break those groups into groups of fifties, and then groups of tens. And so you're going to set up an administrative system, and then any of the things that are too hard for those leaders, you can handle. It was a great word of advice. It worked great for Moses and the people of Israel. God gave the idea to Moses through a God-fearing man named Jethro. 
When we're seeking God's will, one of the most common ways that he will show us which path to take is through the godly counsel of men and women who fear him and love him. This is why it's important to get to know other people who are seeking to follow God's path. It is good to be humble enough to get perspective from people who've been reading God's word and following Jesus longer than us, who can be our Jethro's. And then after we've been following Jesus for some time, we can be Jethro to others. So if you're wandering around and don't know what direction to go, maybe you need to make an appointment with someone who's been following Jesus longer than you and to get their perspective and their prayers or join a small group or a study and start building relationships with others that you can rely on over the long haul. A final way that God shows us which path to take is through Holy Spirit promptings. Now, this final one is something that is available to us that was not available to the people of Israel in the days of Moses. Because at that point, Jesus had not yet come and died for our sins and risen from the dead and ascended to heaven and poured out the Holy Spirit. Now we live in the age where if we put our faith in Jesus, we're forgiven and we receive the Holy Spirit. And God often leads attentive Christians through the inner promptings of the Holy Spirit. My friend Shane Bishop, who wrote That's Good News, which we went through this spring, actually just finished a book on this very topic called Pings, these Holy Spirit promptings. I think we're going to do a book study on Pings next winter. It's coming out in October. And part of following Jesus is learning to pay attention when a sudden idea or thought comes into your mind out of nowhere. Maybe it's to call someone, to try something, to say a prayer, to start something new, to pursue a different avenue. As it says in Galatians 5.23, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So friends, if you're going to memorize one passage of Scripture, you might want to start with Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. And when you're doing that, now you know what to look for. So you can live with confidence as you wait and seek his will. God is a great leader. He knows our strengths and our weaknesses better than we know ourselves. He knows what he wants to accomplish through us. He won't leave us hanging. He won't leave us guessing. He's got a plan. And even now, he's working all things together for your good. And he's ready to lead you into paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Let's pray. God, I just pray that you would bless and guide all of us as we seek to follow Jesus with all of our hearts, souls, minds, and strengths. Pray that you would just strengthen us with your word and your power and your grace. Help us to hear what you're calling us each to do and to do it. God, I pray that you would help us to be wise counsel to others and be humble enough to seek it ourselves. Most of all, may we all be people of your word. Thank you for giving it to us. And now we pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples when he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now let us declare what we believe. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so that you can be notified of our most recent content. If you have any comments or questions for us, feel free to jump over to WashingtonCrossroads.com. Thank you again and have a great week.